0: Okay, Austin, I think we're in a pickle. Yeah. Like, like, not like a Pickle Rick situation, not like a I'd like <laughs> pickles, uh, like not on my hamburger situation, like a like like a classical pickle, which I guess This isn't
1: going to be one of those podcasts where it's the funniest shit they've ever heard? No? <laughs> Darn. No, no, it's not. That would be really good if it was the case.
0: Um... Have you been looking at the the news for Dota recently? Like, have you been reading the subreddit or, like, on Twitter? Like, have you been, have you uh, been yeah, like, plugging I, I,
1: do, I do browse it uh, probably at least once a day. I've noticed all of the, the hot, top, trending topics are okay. Dota 2.
0: Okay, okay. So there's one... Oh, there's like a conglomeration of them
1: that 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 <laughs> <Multiple>. I f-
0: <laughs> that I feel some kind of way about, and I don't really know what to do about it because we do a show where every week we talk about like basically the news, and most of the time mm-hmm. there's not a lot of news because what we're looking at is so like small and specific, right? Right, Joey.
1: Joey, Okay, I stop. Hold you right there. Uh-huh. I know what you're talking about.
0: What do you? What? Are we, uh, what?
1: You want to talk about our girl, Lizzie. You want to talk about RIP Queen Elizabeth Aerial Blade. I understand. You're (laughs) right. I know.
0: Oh, thank I know you that's for... what
1: you're leading to.
0: Oh, man. Th- I, I didn't know how to get to it. Thank you. So this is why you are such a fucking great host, man. Um, I, You know,
1: I could just, you know, it's, it's all about empathy, Joe. It's all be able, being able to put yourself in somebody else's skin and see what they're thinking and feeling, <laughs> you know? I knew that's what you were leading to.
0: What's the line of succession when Ethereal Blade is removed from the game? Like, who? Beca- <laughs> <laughs> can you believe that ESL tweeted that?
1: I mean, the, l- listen. I will just say this: the ESL they actually ESL actually did did pretty good job with their social media managers. I think they're they're actually really in touch with the community. They've got some dank memes, and maybe this one was not appropriate. I I, <laughs> I mean, I don't even like. Uh, I thought it was like kind of, eh, whatever. <laughs> people are like, somebody's think it was funny. their job over that. Yeah, I didn't think that it was, was my funny, problem. But, but I didn't necessarily <laughs> thought it was, like, the most egregious thing ever. Uh, but <laughs> I saw people who were like, somebody's losing their job over this one. I certainly hope not. I mean, it was an off-color tweet. It went too far, but, you know.
0: That's, that's a warning. Like, yeah. if, if that person makes something else that is probably needs to get deleted within 10 minutes then you might start to reevaluate like like that Mm. tweet i don't think is job losing but i think that tweet is something that like goes on the managerial permanent record
1: Mm. yeah could be could be
0: yeah i was uh (laughs) i saw i saw in slack that um uh, that the queen was going to like the hospital like she wasn't feeling well right and I'm like mm-hmm. oh man that that's probably not good for her and then I'm just going along my day going along my day going along my day and then I see this tweet from ESL and that's how I learned the queen died. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that that wild? Because that can't just be my experience. It has to be the experience of, like, at least dozens, if not a hundred people. How they learned about, like, monumental world news was through some not funny tweet tweet from (laughs) ESL.
1: Yeah, that's probably true. I mean, it's the most upvoted thing from this last week, so yeah, there's a lot of people who saw that one.
0: For the record, that is not how we do our show research, everybody. But to confirm, sometimes not a lot of stuff to talk about. This week, there's a lot to talk about, but, but I don't know what we can say about it, because... I know what's going on. You kind of know what's going on. And if we talk about it in the most overt, plain way possible, then either we're breaking news or throwing mud or, I don't know, not being proper. So do we just ignore it? But people will know if we ignore it because we talk about all the news. So what do we do? Yeah. All
1: right, so what what Joey was actually referencing at the very start is there have been several threads, there has been some sort of leak um, or apparent leak um, that hasn't been confirmed yet that the the panel uh, or talent are going to be in uh, Oslo, Norway uh, instead of being in Singapore, and also that the casting for the last chance qualifier and groups... I believe are going to uh, be bedroom casts. They're going to be remote casts. So that that has been uh, the hot topic that people are talking about. There's even another thread about it today. Um, obviously, I'm not going to confirm or deny uh, what I do or don't know about this situation, but we can hypothetically speak about it to some degree. I will just say that I see a lot of people being like, "Why aren't this home you know blah blah blah?" Well. I, <laughs> I know it may not seem like it, but uh, I do think that we are uh, professionals and I do think for the most part that we do, like our job may not make us look very professional, but I do think for the most part, uh, most of the talent act and perform professionally. Um, and one of the things that you just kind of don't do is that uh, you don't disparage uh, your employer or potential employers uh, because that's just a good way of not you know, getting hired. Um, but even then, like, I think that this is still something that you and I would definitely talk about, um, and have our own own opinions on, but it's also, like, not really a, a thing. Like, if you guys notice, I very rarely ever like leak stuff. Um, and I think, like, that's something that, I don't know if it's, like, a call point of pride, but it's just something that I don't think is, like, very kosher to do, you know? Uh, I think, uh... It's not really my place to to uh leak and talk about uh most things unless I really have a fucking bee in my bonnet.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's <laughs> but, not you know even then <laughs> it's not my place either, right? Like I I have friends who work the event. I don't. I I work for a team who oftentimes, hopefully they sure, competes at the event. So I'm also privileged to deliver the other information and to like talk about it in any way that's not hypothetical is like problematic for not just me, but like my employer and my friends. Right. So yeah. it's it, it's it's hard. I think what we would normally do is you would talk about it from the talent perspective. I would talk mm-hmm. about it from the production perspective of a broadcast at a show. And then there'd be some kind of discussion about like, you know, what may be good or bad about more people remote, more people on site, like what PGL's doing, what valve's doing and like overall dota, right? Uh but yeah. but, it, but it's hard it's hard to do that without just being able to explicitly talk about the facts of the situation.
1: Yeah. well, I think we can probably still uh, do exactly what you just listed and talk about the hypotheticals of this situation. I mean, I can say that uh, I heard this room, I heard about this rumor. Um, before it went up on, on Reddit. Uh, and like, it was, it's straight up like a rumor that I heard. And my very gut reaction was like, is this real? Why the fuck would they be going to Oslo, Norway? That's <laughs> because a bad my time first zone. thought My first thought was, well, PGL is based out of Romania. Uh, so why wouldn't they just be doing it out of Romania? So um, that immediately, like, told the, my first thought was, like, why the fuck would it be that way? And if it is that way, then there has to be a reason for that. Um, And as far as I've seen, I haven't heard uh, or seen uh, a reason that has been talked about publicly of why it would be in Oslo, Norway. Um, So there's definitely a lot of information um, missing about that because, you know, (laughs) there's got to be a reason for that. Um, So yeah, my assumption
0: would be like, if you're going to go offsite from a... Expensive area for a broadcast Because mm. let's be clear about something It's not cheap to bring in um, What To say What 10 12 uh, say a dozen talent From three different regions plus production Staff for three At least different broadcasts to an expensive Part of the world like Singapore mm. That's why so you, so you say like Romania For PGL I'm like oh yeah that's like a cheaper Place to be there's probably like infrastructure that there. There's good internet it's, it's cheaper When I heard Oslo I'm like Oh well, wait, that can't be that much cheaper than Singapore, right? So like, yeah, I'm I, not is sure is Norway like,
1: is is a cheap country to 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 be in.
0: Yeah, is it cost saving? I don't know. Does does the time zone make sense? Because if you're starting TI at like ten in the morning, what time is that in Nor- Norway's like GMT, right? So wh- yeah, it's probably midnight or something. You're starting
1: your day, so you're definitely working the the graveyard shift. Yeah, uh, I will say from. My thoughts about this, from a talent perspective, uh, I think it sucks for the talent specifically. Um, I think that um, basically because TI has always been sort of a a, an event where it is a celebration of Dota um, for all of the talent. I can actually confidently say, except for any talent that aren't like um, are aren't actually like full Dota people. So like you know. Machine or day nine or those kind of people who come in and perform like the hosting roles at TI, but are not uh, actually What's the word I'm looking for here? Endemic Endemic, thank you. They're not an endemic to to Dota uh, But all the endemic town, they live and breathe Dota Um, So TI just being at TI is very exciting for them Um, So this is a big loss um, for for them It just, you know, there's no other way around it Um, If that is true and you're off-site you don't get to go to ti that just sucks um it's something that like if i was put in that situation i would seriously consider like whether or not i would want to work ti or attend ti sort of thing right it's like i can i can have one or the other but i can't have both so um if that was the case then that is definitely uh if i was put in that position it would definitely be something that i would uh i would have to consider uh strongly but I will say that I don't think um, that there is a huge loss from the production side. Um, I think that it sucks that there's going to be some people who like would want to see certain talent, but
0: like I fans. Think, uh, you mean like fans? Any, or?
1: A, yeah, I, I think any remote broadcast. Um, the biggest loss is usually. Um, So there have been I've worked a lot of events where we have had panels uh, that have been on site, but haven't actually been in the stadium. And the one thing we've always said is like, we should really have casters in the stadium. That's like the one like really the the, the must have. Um, But I think panel not being in the stadium uh, or even being off site is actually not a big loss uh, for the show overall. Um, except for one aspect that it really is TI focused, um, which is, I think the biggest loss to the viewer in in a remote broadcast is not being able to have pro players, um, as in pro players who were going through TI got eliminated, took a day break and then, you know, uh, got invited to the the panel and showed up and were able to talk a lot more freely because well TI is over so they can freely discuss. Um, strategy and and uh, even give like scrim information and stuff like that. That I think is the biggest loss to the viewer. Um, is actually not the the talent themselves, but the opportunity lost of being able to have pro players on site. So I think that's the the biggest discussion you can ever have when talking about remote broadcasts. Um, I mean, from your perspective, from a production standpoint, do you really think there is that much loss in having a, a remote broadcast?
0: My assumption is um and this is giving like probably a lot of credit to pgl or valve mostly is that if this decision is made you don't make it unless you're confident that you're doing a better product because of it so Mm. i would assume that the calculus has been done and that the end product would be better for this choice Uh, I don't think that in order to have the best production possible you need to have people on site I think that you feel that kind of way for mention for things like you mentioned like ti almost feels like a convention, right? It's 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 a celebration. Mm -hmm. It's everybody's there in the same room. You can touch and meet people and That's probably why it feels weird. You can have casters uh, mingling with pros. That's why it feels good but You want the cast in the arena because of a lot of things. You want energy, and you don't want delay from the game and the audio, right? Like, you can't broadcast the game, then cast over that. You'd have to have, like, two or three different delays in order to make sure that it's, like, buffered properly, which isn't great, um, which is why you normally want that on site, right? Especially depending on which language the broadcast in the arena is going to be, which in Singapore, I assume it's going to be English, Um, Hmm. I think, I assume so as well. I, yeah. I assume so. So that makes sense to have it in the arena, but I think that you can kick to a remote desk pretty easily. I assume that there will probably be a small handful of technical hiccups that make it on a the stage there might be like a toss that goes awry or like a broadcast that like cuts in weird and that'll just be like something that happens and when it does happen if you know that's the situation then people might criticize it but like all things considered i don't think it's that big of a loss i think it sucks you know, for the people
1: yeah it sucks for the people but from like uh, cuz there are plenty of examples from uh sports broadcasting perspective right where there are very rarely uh well not rarely but more often than not the panels are offsite uh, maybe you get some some sort of panel like you know inside the NBA does like their desk sometimes in the stadium and, and stuff but uh, the large share of the shows that you go to and the panels you're talking about they are remote uh mm-hmm. you're usually going to have an on-site reporter sideline reporter you're going to have the commentators there uh like you know the actually on the the field um, whether it's like the European football commentators who are watching high up in the stands and they have binoculars and stuff or or American football or basketball where they actually have them right there on the floor um, but the panels and, and stuff like that very often remote
0: mm-hmm. so I think yeah. it'll be fine I think it'll be absolutely fine I think the product will likely be better
1: so that's a general discussion about remote Broadcasting the uh, the rumor about the uh, other part is probably the the bigger loss. I think it's like really fair to say um, yeah. if it is true. Being able to have um, delegating all of the last chance qualifier and the uh, group stage um, to at home commentators, I, I I do think there's some plus and minuses. To be honest, we've never done like that much production for the individual streams uh the casting streams of group stage um that has almost never been the case it's always been I remember that sometimes it's just the, like mm. you know a desk and a, and a webcam and you're you're controlling the production um that you know it's very very um very very cuz group stage is really just it's for the super hardcore fans right but, and, but there was the multicast the for the for last the you know handful yes. of
0: years right and that yes, that did there, have a usually
1: conglomeration there is usually just one casual like couch stream or something that's what gets all the production value um so it, not having anything like that um would be pretty i think that would be i uh, see i'm not even sure i'm not even sure how much like the 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 mainstream of the group stage where it's like casters sitting around on a couch and like Casually talking about the game and like swatching, switching between games and stuff. I've never actually felt like that product was that. Uh, great
0: I like that product it's actually why I liked group stages so much Uh, I liked that there was someone to kind of spoon feed me which games to watch I like that there was an easy Mm. way um, that that stream would often have like graphics and like pop-ups of like uh, oh hey RNG has a 20,000 gold lead in their game right now for game two against this like I, I think that it was cool to be able to have one viewing experience on and like easily digest the majority of the day sometimes times if you're following a specific team or you want to watch a specific match you would like click around and have your own viewing experience but i actually quite liked the multicast um a a good bit actually so i don't Mm. know if there's been like talk about you know if it's going to be remote casters but still like a panel for that or what the full situation is is going to be um i think that the idea of just being able to like see you know moxie or Lizards or whoever's like bedroom during TI, um, not them in particular, but just like name any caster for that situation. Just and just seeing like their bedroom in the middle of a TI broadcast feels, you know, w- lesser.
1: Yeah, that, that that I think um like having the the uh, having like a remote cast where you're like having some sort of TI hub. You go to uh, a some sort of broadcasting studio and you cover the last chance qualifier, the group stage game. Um, you know, th- that I feel like is probably fine. Having home cast does feel like um, that That would be a bit of a, a, well, that would be a bit, that would be a pretty big downgrade. Um, and and I feel, I, weirdly enough, I, I don't know how you feel, but I feel that more strongly about, if it's true about the last chance qualifier, than the group stage. You know? I was
0: gonna bring that up. So. I and and I think you share this opinion. Really hyped about LCQ. I think yeah. that that's going to be awesome. There's going to be. I thought it was a
1: really cool idea, like basically taking the wild card, the old hype wild cards, and making it like a bigger event.
0: 12 teams, two slots, and, okay, someone's going, oh, but not all the teams are good. What about, uh, what about... This? Yeah, who
1: cares? They get 12th place. What, yeah, what the, yeah what the, but but the fucking sixth best team, the fifth best team, the fourth best team, like, uh, those are going to be... And, and it's all, it's very regional-based, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, TI is this international fair where it's, like, we're just celebrating Dota and stuff, but, like, last chance qualifier is really, like region versus region fuck you you know and that that like I, I feel like that's very hype and, and and I feel like it's just a better version uh, of the miners when we, we had that system where we had the miners and majors like isn't this just a, a bigger tournament than any of those minors?
0: I'm super so hyped I, it, yeah
1: I, <laughs> I feel like that would be an event where you would want to build uh, a, a LAN event around it to some degree um so if it's true that we're just going to have homecast that that seems um eh. I think there's a pitfall. That's probably the thing that I feel the worst about.
0: I I, I agree. I, th- I think the homecasts uh if that comes to fruition just is going to feel like to me and I think that that'll be like a noticeable hit in production quality for most people. That's very it's very apparent to see from a viewer that like something has degraded. Mm. I think that something that gets lost a lot of times in these conversations. Um is the idea that all the stuff we're talking about does cost money. Yeah. And there is, like, a business financial decision that's being made. And a lot of people don't want to give Valve the benefit of the doubt of, you know, trying to run a business because, LOL, it's Valve. They have infinity money, which on some degree is, like, kind of (laughs) true, right? Like, that's... Yeah, well,
1: when you can make a very direct like it is not normal that you usually get a direct peek into the finances of a company but when you are able to just do the math of like okay so the battle pass brought in this amount and that's 25% so the other 75% equal you know like <laughs> you don't normally get that that kind of uh view into uh finances like that it definitely uh is mm-hmm. a, a weapon the community has uh is utilized uh i would say quite quite well (laughs) Mm -hmm. they're quite experts at at wielding that number
0: but at the end of the day it is a business and this is a business decision and Mm. they are saving money and you can talk about should they save money fuck them they're rich what about like you know is, is this good long term is this people giving up like there, there's a lot of good interesting and valid conversations that should come from that but i, I think a lot of times and a lot of people that i see comment on it like just assume that because it's valve they can spend infinity money which again probably kind of close to true but yeah, yeah. There another...
1: <laughs> i feel like if there's any company out there that can just print that just prints money uh you know valve's got to be pretty high up there on the list
0: <laughs> yeah I don't, I don't know man that, that's they,
1: they are wildly successful in that regard
0: yeah it's it's true so um but it, it, it's just
1: worth Didn't know you are a valve simp joey
0: i'm i'm not uh, I mean, okay, I am a little bit. If you ask me what uh-huh. my one of my what my favorite games are, most of them will be Valve titles. I mm. am a Valve simp, um, but pff, I don't know. I I'm interested to see how this continues to develop. Um, we can talk about it more, but I I there hope there is actually that... one more
1: element to that. Oh, what, what? Uh, we, well, it also diversification of talent. Um, if you don't have to bring everybody to to mm-hmm. one area. Um, and like you're getting these home casts and stuff then it does mean that you're probably hiring uh, a broader set of talent um whether or not like you are increasing or decreasing the overall talent budget uh uh-huh. is uh, what's something that like I would love to know it, it like what their their general approach is uh from this TI to last TI cuz last TI uh, just so you guys know, it was, was quite a fiasco all around, I would say. Uh, I don't think talent or Valve are particularly happy um, with how last TI went. And uh, that eh, COVID. relationship has been uh, definitely fractured quite a bit. So, uh, yeah, just very, very, like, they, there's a lot of hypotheticals in this situation. And until it's, it's really confirmed and we know all the details, uh, I don't even know all the details. Um so yeah, these sort of things. I think it's just like a general interesting discussion, like remote broadcast versus in stadium broadcast and like how much it does or doesn't add to to production. I mean that's the sort of thing that I like I like talking about personally.
0: I think people like listening to us talk about that too. So hopefully we can know more soon. I personally hope that some of the rumors are unsubstantiated. Um that's 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 my takeaway. I, I hope that not all of them are true. Yeah. Um, because I some think the of biggest one buffers. for both
1: of us have agreed is the HomeCast. like that. That I think is the, the biggest, uh, if you're between... going to
0: do homecasts, spend $5,000 and send all these people green screens to put behind them.
1: You know, that was something that I was actually just talking about, uh, with, uh, my, my discord, our discord, uh, which you guys can check out. If you're a fan of the side podcast, you can join. Uh, the Cap Discord, and there's a side pull podcast channel where we talk about stuff. Both it's e relatively Joey. active. Yeah. Uh, but we were talking about um, the, the Blast just announced their new CSGO Major and I was like, man, I really wish that Blast would get into Dota. Because um, well, there was, right? they did, they they ran that one tournament, uh, the Blast Bounty Hunt um which i'm not sure how well i i don't know if they got like good viewership or or what they're but they obviously didn't feel like it was successful enough they didn't run another dota event after that but i do remember their talent list was very very small uh they basically had two panelists a host and two two casters like one casting duo Mm uh did the whole tournament um but what they did do is they they sent out a full production uh setup for every single one of them i think even pcs uh, so that's but if expensive not, they sent mailing out, PCs are yeah. expensive. <laughs> which is probably why they kept the talent list so small. But I know at least they sent them full green screens and cameras and all that sort of thing. Which I, I have also done with um the Forerunner and Mobile Legends Bang Bang um broadcast that I've done is um oh, the yellow case isn't there anymore. <laughs> I still have the production <laughs> case where it's like green screen cameras, uh you know, jibs, all kind of setup. So what are jibs? Are jibs the the stands that hold things or is that the, the 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 arm
0: so a a jib is the camera that they have that's on a big arm that's like on a truck that swings like it goes yeah,
1: out yeah and, yeah. It goes,
0: yeah, and like okay. like it's it does it i thought the jib was shuts.
1: actually i didn't think the jib was the camera itself i thought it was the 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 mechanism that is holding the camera
0: correct yes it's not the camera itself oh, okay. it is what the camera is mounted okay, so to. you do that, not have a jib in it's your home the arm. setup you have an arm <laughs>
1: yeah oh, okay all right yeah um maybe i did you don't know how good this production was <laughs> i i see the yellow
0: case there was no moving in there. shots of my home <laughs> well, that's what we should love the podcast um yeah i i just want ti to be good i just want ti to be good which you know leads me to to talking about, you know, where we're talking about like TI, we're talking about the communities directly like pointing to the money generated by the battle pass that is funding TI. Mm-hmm. And I think that there are some people who are kind of um maybe it's called grave dancing. That's kind of how I want to describe it. <laughs> it looks like there's people who are like dancing on the what may be like the carcass of the current battle pass. I don't think that complaints have really stopped in the last week since we've talked about it and we don't need to like beat a dead horse but I think more people have been disappointed that they haven't been able to grind levels maybe I've, I've, I've seen mm. some of those complaints and I think that there's a lot of people who are like relishing and like the hang guys, the battle pass is, uh, is you know making less money than it has in the last couple of years huh Look isn't
1: that, that funny like isn't it funny how like community sentiment shifts so much where it used to be that these numbers of like, look how much we're giving, how much money we're giving to Valve, used to be like celebrated. I'm Mm -hmm. like, we're breaking records. Look how much money we're giving. And now people is doing the opposite with their relishing. Look how little, in quotes, money we're giving. It's still the third most successful battle pass uh, trajectory, um, but it definitely is not anywhere close to uh, TI9 or TI10, Um, but it is still above TI8, so.
0: Yeah, it's weird that like we see more people playing the game right now like you can look at those metrics but less people are spending money on the battle pass for whatever Mm. reason like you can't make that an exact science there are so many variables but people are going oh man look at at, fucking day four really shit in the bed and it's like mm, like I understand that this is a way for you to express your displeasure with the current situation and there is like data that you can point to people love to point to data and be like look I have a point and it's right because there's numbers here but motherfucker Mm. you might not have taken a class uh in statistics ever but but uh you know one of the things they teach you is correlation is not causation and (laughs) there's a lot of factors in the battle pass numbers and one of them you're probably right is because people are unhappy but are you perpetuating a cycle of increased unhappiness by celebrating the fact that it is doing poorly fuck i do sound like a shill
1: You are a mega shill right now. I'm going to take the total opposite approach. Reddit, keep, I want to see a post every day about how much worse this battle pass is doing. Because very selfishly, though, you know, the more you guys say this stuff and the more you perpetuate it, Maybe increase chances that Valve, you know, puts in a few more mechanisms for me to grind a few more levels. Meaning I have to spend less on the Battle Pass by the very end of it in order to get that Faceless Void Arcana. That's all I'm all bound down about right now is being able to grind as many levels to get the Faceless Void Arcana without having with without with spending the very minimum amount possible. That's what I'm. That's what I'm all grinding for. That's what I've become about.
0: Do you feel like you're gaining levels in an adequate space? No. <laughs> no,
1: I'm not. I'm not getting any levels. In part because my qualifier predictions have been wrong. So, Dude. you know, that's not helping me.
0: Okay, so both of us were wrong about yeah. the first set of qualifiers. We yes. picked the second place team, both of us. We chose
1: poorly. And I think
0: yeah. so did a lot of people based on complaints that I've seen. Now, yeah. okay, bet boom, I guess turned it on or maybe I did it again man vp it's... shit the bed excuse me outsiders shit the bed uh, not also oh, surprising yeah. whatever whatever the story of south america i think is a bit more interesting
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, yes uh okay okay so uh for those of you guys who haven't seen this um maybe you don't pay attention to south american um qualifiers and stuff like that there was a bit of controversy that happened um, where the mid laner, uh, <laughs> I actually, I, I am still kind of in shock that this was a thing in an official match. Uh, the mid laner for, uh, Infamous, Leo style, uh, had a name, uh, for his courier, which was, uh, slave and then the n-word hard r not hard r
0: okay just sorry curious um what the fuck
1: (laughs) also the courier is a monkey just to add on to that fucking absurdly racist imagery like holy fuck dude i cannot believe this was not a bigger deal honestly
0: I'm laughing because I don't know what other emotion to express. Yeah, like, <laughs> like it's so
1: fucking absurdly racist that you like can't help but laugh. Honestly, it's it's just like what the fuck, dude? Like, like how how did you think that was acceptable to put on your courier in the first place? But like, how did you like, how did you keep using this courier? Like, I'm gonna chalk this up. I'm gonna try and give as much fucking grace here as possible and say, okay, this was a dumb fucking idea you had eight years ago when you started playing Dota, it was a fucking bad take, but how are you still fucking using it? How did you use it in an official fucking match? You are a sponsored player, for God's sake. You have somebody paying you a fucking paycheck every week. How the fuck? Do you do this? How the fuck does nobody else not notice? None of, none of your fellow teammates not notice? Nobody, no, no fucking fan has pointed this out to the organization before until until the fucking TI qualifiers? Like, th- that, like that is the most grace you can give, is the fact that like this is just something, a decision he made a long time ago, and he's been using this career for years and just somehow never got backlash for it. Even worse, if somehow... It only it escaped notice because he recently chose to use that courier. Like, what the fuck, man? Jesus Christ. Anyway, so they got they got a penalty. I, honestly, they're fucking lucky that they didn't get kicked out of the fucking tournament. Uh, but they lost all of their uh, selection priority for the full grand finals.
0: That means uh, that the other team gets to choose side and first or second pick, right?
1: uh no i think they only get to choose they, they get to choose which one they want which is do you want to choose side or do you, you want to choose oh, big? okay
0: then then i, I miss it's right. like I, they I win they the coin golf. toss
1: it's like there's a coin toss but they automatically win every single time so uh all three games they are able to have their choice uh which i actually didn't see what their choice was every single time um be interested to go back and see but uh yeah, that happened. Um, so that may and or may not lost. have affected the uh the outcome uh because they did end up losing. They lost 3 three oh to Hokori, as did has had as has every single TI qualifying final so far. They've all gone three oh. They've all been clean sweeps.
0: Hakori picked to dire every game.
1: Hmm. Okay. That's interesting yeah so uh <laughs>
0: they had they had dire and uh, uh and pick 24 every game mm. which which so, is the last pick in the draft
1: uh hokori also got there in the first place because their uh their opponent tempest um actually got a default loss due to power outages uh which was having uh, happening a lot um for both north and south america um, maybe in part because of the the heat wave that we were getting
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, <laughs> that happened for a number of games that uh, were happening in the North American qualifier, which I was covering alongside uh, Suns fan and Sindarin, um and SVG. And uh, <laughs> and then there was a team who just straight up forfeited. I don't think it had. Uh, well, I know it didn't have anything to do with power outages, which was our gosh. <laughs> it's just because a player didn't show up in time. So I. I-
0: you're you're like to me you're like one of the mr Arkosh people i saw you on reddit i saw people on twitter talking about this
1: yeah i'm I'm, uh, so i was show up i was a former player for Arkosh, um and i am now part of the organization um we there there have been plans um in fact there have been plans that were unfolding uh, before they got knocked out of the DPC. And in, in which case we they, I, there are some ambitious ideas with Arkosh. It's, it's a little bit more than just a meme team. I think there's something uh, much greater that we can do with the, the brand and the organization. Um, so I'm on that side of things. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, uh, a player did not show up in time because it is uh, a rolling schedule. For the TI qualifiers and so the match happened a bit earlier than uh, maybe they thought. Uh, I I don't really know what to say to that. I it's the goddamn TI qualifiers. I, I kind of expect people to be up five hours before your match and to be playing games before your match and maybe be, you know, sitting in a discord with the team watching the previous matches talking about ideas of Dota. You know, that's just my idea, my fucking naive idea of what it means to be a uh, somewhat Responsible player, it just with the smallest modicum of of responsibility.
0: How many of the uh, that, archives players do you think keep a calendar? Like, how many of them do you think have like they, I, they like open? I, th- I know
1: there is. I know there is a Google calendar because apparently, despite the fact that there you can these guys are always on Dota, there is literally a button in the watch tab where you can see when your match is scheduled that still wasn't good enough so there is also a google calendar that has every single match scheduled uh so uh, yes there is a google calendar for that that, mm. <laughs> that all the players have access to but uh you know uh, <laughs> attendance has been a big problem this last uh year so uh you know uh, i i will say that arkash has um completely disbanded in quotes um basically the Everyone's been kicked, um, and basically, it's it's not actually like a full disband. It's more like, all right, let's just stop doing this Arkoş fucking thing because there's just been a lot of problems built up, and let's just can I can I make that like a
0: clickbait title for the episode?
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah. Cool. That's uh, and so we're going into next year with a clean slate. Uh, whatever the roster looks like, it could be exactly the same. Well, not exactly the same, but it could be mostly the same. It could be entirely different could be. There is no arc next year who the fuck knows but for for right now it's just uh it, it's done and we'll reapproach it post TI hopefully with a uh,
0: clean slate. So. So, Sonic's won the North America. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: All right, so we we've gone through Eastern Europe. That boom one surprising uh our expectations cuz they were uh I, I mean, I had them the th- third best team to be honest and when it came down to the upper bracket finals that did actually prove to be uh the case as it was outsiders versus navi and then BetBoom boom made a uh, 5-0 sweep through the lower bracket on the final day so uh congratulations to them they continued to to surprise me i thought a new patch and and honestly just time they would be more figured out but shit they still got it Hokori, uh, who I think uh, I, I personally had them matching up against Infamous in the finals, but I still thought Infamous would lock it down. Nope. Hukori, uh clean sweep there. Uh, then we had the NA qualifier, which just concluded a few hours ago. Um, I casted that grand finals. Sonics uh, got knocked down from the upper bracket by Nouns, and then they bounced back. 2-0 wildcard. Uh, second game they should not have won, but managed to clinch it and then they went and 3-0 stomp nouns in the finals. It was not close. It felt it felt like they had every advantage in the book. Uh most notably the mid matchup was probably the where the, the biggest uh <laughs> biggest problems were. Um but it, also from a drafting perspective it did feel like Sonics was was pretty far ahead, so
0: yeah, I think people were potentially a little too excited, the fact that they lost the upper bracket finals 0-2, and people were like, oh, yeah. dude, the, these these down kids, and then uh, Sonics was like, hey, we're going to qualify for TI, so they 2-0 wildcard, and they two- and 3 0 Nouns in the final day, and they're like, hey, everybody, we qualified for TI, please don't forget about us. Good for us, uh, or good for them, I couldn't imagine mm. uh, what Quinn's night would be like if he lost to Nouns in the final and had to go to, to, to LCQ. That out, like yeah. someone would be like, you know, put put people on suicide watch, you know.
1: <laughs> Instead, he got to be able to come on the, uh, the the interview and tell all the haters to suck his nuts. So <laughs> that was a thing that happened. Really eloquently, on, spoken, right yeah, really, yep. really eloquently spoken, Quinn. Yeah, really
0: really eloquently spoken.
1: So, that was a that was a fun moment, honestly. I, I like stuff like that. Uh, and then China happened um last night where uh, RNG they managed to knock Extreme down in the upper bracket final. Um, so Extreme had to play Vichy Gaming for third. Uh, if you guys haven't seen this meme, the Chinese qualifier pretty much turned into the Elephant Cup, um, which is that the five individual members from the old Elephant squad uh, were on the five different teams that were uh, top five at the Chinese qualifier. Oh. And it actually went in order of role. Uh, Red Panda, who was on. Uh, on aster aries got knocked out by ig uh <laughs> fy the four position got knocked out by vici gaming uh, so then then uh, it just kind of went from there uh yang the three position um was was able to knock down the four and then you had extreme gaming who went down and uh, it was pretty much just left okay paparazzi versus maybe was the uh the grand finals and uh rng proved uh without a doubt. And, and well, and every again, every single one of these uh finals has gone 3 uh, 0. Very clearly the best team won. Um and, and is a well deserving representative of the region at TI.
0: I am so happy that RNG is not in LCQ. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. suspect that they are the best team to come out of qualifiers.
1: Yes. T B t- D what happens
0: tbd what happens with with western europe like uh, maybe another Mm -hmm. team can make a case to challenge it but i think going in and still currently that rng is the best team that is now in groups because of these qualifiers probably by a lot it's probably like rng and then like a little gap and then europe and then a gap and then everybody else
1: yeah they only lost one game in the entire um and the entire qualifier. And that was that upper bracket match against Extreme. Uh they didn't drop a single other game. They so very dominant performance.
0: RNG chose not to go to ESL Malaysia to practice for this. And I think that, you know, you know, okay, hindsight, but uh probably <laughs> the right choice.
1: Yeah. You saying that uh it was a bad idea for teams in the TI qualifiers to attend Malaysia? Liquid Joey?
0: <laughs> I, I I do not speak and cannot speak for the team. That's just an observation that I know because mm-hmm. Nova and I were having drinks one night, not because I'm speaking to Team Liquid.
1: I see. Uh-huh. Well, it is uh, sad, that entire thing. I personally am a little bit sad that we won't be seeing Emo or FY um, in Singapore at all. They got fourth. Um, I feel like pretty good chances of extreme. Um, being, being able to make it through the last chance qualifier, but, um, you know, as, as you were saying, there is still Western Europe Europe and Southeast Asia to go through.
0: Two Europe teams are going to make it through. Yep.
1: Mm, mm, Joey bet, betting big on Western Europe right now. Wait, wait, wait. wait, Are you saying Western Europe or Europe?
0: I'm really, really twisting that screw. (laughs) (laughs) Two Western Europe teams will make it through LCQ. Are
1: you just trying to increase the chances of Liquid getting through? They're
0: winning the qualifier cap. Okay. I don't care about LCQ. Pure viewer perspective.
1: Well, uh, we still have Western Europe and Southeast Asia go to. So hopefully, uh, just for the sake of the games, we won't have three uh, in those finals. Uh, But that is going to be kicking off uh, literally in, like, a few hours or something. So, Uh, yeah, yeah. two hours and 45 minutes is when the first match, which is Liquid versus DGG. The very first match is the Liquid match. So, not worried. Have fun with that anxiety, Joey.
0: There's going to be, like, five days of anxiety for me. Like, every game is going to be at a bad time. And, I mean... Let, okay, let's be real. I'm not honest about this DGG game, but um, tomorrow, or no, no, the 15th, which is two days from the next game, the upper bracket game should probably be about against Nigma, and that one might be anxiety inducing.
1: Yeah, yeah, I bet it will be. Fine, Sumail. Uh... <laughs> I only have like a light bit of anxiety. Obviously, I do hope that. Uh, liquid and and blitz does well but uh honestly i'll be sleeping during that time so (laughs) hard to have anxiety when you're snoozing away
0: as long as they're in the upper bracket games it's easy 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 to watch yeah easy to watch it's either it's either at night before i can go to bed or in the morning so like we're for fine. Mm. i can watch a 1 a.m quick game at dota easy peasy for breezy
1: Uh, There is just, uh, we we promised that we would talk about the patch at some point in time, and I have uh, been grinding a bit more Dota. Uh, I've actually been doing all right for myself. I'm almost 7'5 again, so uh, good for me. And uh, I also casted the NA qualifier, so I do feel a little bit more in touch uh, with the patch now, so I feel like I I can kind of talk about about it if uh, people were interested.
0: Can I ask a broad question? Yeah. What... Or like, you know, top two, top three things that you think like the patch, the patch that just released during Malaysia has changed for the competitive scene?
1: Mm, Longer games. Um, Longer games for certain. It does uh, still feel like a, I I think I mentioned this last patch, where there are still a lot of kills, but it does feel like um, still kind of a slower um, patch in the fact that I think... You are still incentivized to be the team with better late game and to play defensively and to let your opponent um, play into you. Now, this has been just a, a a long-standing development, I would say, since TI 10, where Team Spirit um, always played like very defensively around their vision. They really abused uh, vision in team fights. That was mm-hmm. like wh- what I would say is their little, like every team that wins a TI has something that they did Uh, better than everybody else. Um, And over the years, those things have become in a way more. They they become more micro and they become like smaller um, compared to the previous years where like understanding of Dota was not as thorough. Um, So if you look back at at previous years, like what certain winning teams did was like much bigger and grander. Um, It was like much different idea. Let's say like um, maybe not even necessarily the winning teams. Let's say like CDC very famously aggressive his idea of how to play carry and his early rotation out of lane to go into the enemy off lane and take that like all of a sudden we have this idea of your safe lane isn't safe and you swap sides and you you want to be the aggressors aggressive Mm -hmm. and he teepees on and he like puts you at a good tempo control of like teeping into the enemy safe lane killing them taking their tower all of a sudden you're the one determining the moves and you are now farming a safer part of the map, um, than your own safe lane. So that's kind of an example of like big, um, team spirit. What they did was uh, really well was abuse vision in team fights, their own vision. They would play around their own high ground vision and not let anybody D ward it without being punished. And, uh, they would lure teams into fighting under uh, spirits vision. And people have taken that and run with it a lot more. So it does naturally mean there. <laughs> there are so many times where you're you see in metas right now, they, these teams, they're smoked up. Maybe they're both smoked and they're both sitting maybe even close to each other. I've seen points where they're both sitting in the dire safe lane jungle, but they're hovering around two different high ground wards. And maybe they're even they know each other are there and they're kind of like <laughs> poking and, and uh, but they're trying to be like come over here. Come over here, come come to our side, come underneath our vision where we have the advantage. Um, And so that that naturally um, gives you more defensive ideas about Dota. Um, And I think that still continues with this patch, Um, but the games are going later. Um, I would say the glyph change is probably a a factor involved in that, Um, in that you can't go straight tier two to tier three um, because the glyph reset now. So it's harder to like you can't go high ground as as like as quickly off of like a really big explosive move, mm-hmm. if that makes sense.
0: Does that mean that there's like a favor for these carries that do perform better at like forty minutes now?
1: Uh, yeah, I would say that um, there have been some late game carries that for me have looked really good. Faceless Void is probably one of the biggest ones. Troll is another one. Uh, we have even seen some. Troll's Spectre been bad for like a decade. I don't believe that that's true. <laughs> Eh, maybe. Troll Troll might be back. Uh, his, his time might be in the sun again. Uh, the last time Troll was super, super consistently relevant was when he had a bash, right? Uh, mm-hmm. They replaced that bash with an ensnare, but now that ensnare goes through BKB. So it's kind of like the old troll that bashed. He ensnares you through BKB. Um. So that is that is a, a really powerful tool.
0: Not having your control during your ult just feels so bad. I've i <laughs> I played so much troll like like I think troll is actually the hero that I might have the second most games under after uh, CK, and mm-hmm. like after the changes they made a couple years ago, like I'm like I don't know if I like this hero as much. It's hard. And then after yeah. they change the ult to where you like you really, you're just uh, hands off keyboard, it really feels bad. <laughs>
1: That's why um, a lot of a lot of trolls, they for, well, first of all, they're getting basher, but also they get blink dagger, um, which gives you a weirdly more control in your fate where they use it as an attack speed steroid uh, where nowadays trolls are just being like, OK, is what's the big teamfight hero? or What's the enemy carry? And if they see them, they just blink ultimate. <laughs> so it gives them the most control in their fate in that regard where they're <laughs> like, i'm going on this guy and i'm popping my ultimate right away and thanks to the the ensnare through bkb and the the bash it usually means that okay you're just fighting in this one area it's almost like a duel that goes off uh it, it's basically what trolls ultimate is being utilized now which is uh, also in the late game. there's all yeah how yeah.
0: how i used to play troll like in 2017 I, I was always a proponent of of blink on troll um Mm. which like was kind of a topic of debate when troll was, was meta back then. And if you like wanted to blink or you just wanted, didn't want that, I always like, you know, blink alt try and like pick someone off, but again, hands off keyboard. Anytime it's hands off keyboard, it's like, it just feels bad to lose control.
1: Yeah. It, it's uh, it's definitely a weird uh, game design, uh, like fundamentally, like, do you want that ever? Um, but Dota is, is kind of in that Dota is that kind of game. Uh, like also like fundamentally like as a game design do you want people to not have control any control over their death uh in certain situations right when you get blink bkb black hole like you didn't do anything wrong but you also don't get any like there's no counterplay you're just mm-hmm. dead you're you're just gone uh you know is is that a good game design or a bad game design it's one of those things that is like kind of complicated and does make dota uh o- o- such a hardcore game Uh, I would say so that's uh but yeah I think um what else um I think overall the the patch is um well I just got done covering NA so I would say that side lane matchups are pretty important the mid lane um there is no easy camp anymore um so it does feel like the mid lane is becoming not necessarily more of a 1v1 aspect, but it does feel like there are more exploitive elements uh, where a strong 1v1 mid matchup can really make a difference. Um, And whereas before it was like, yeah, before it was like, okay, whatever, you've got this bottle and you've got all these water runes and you've got this easy camp to farm off of and you've got maybe stacks going on. I've seen a lot less stacking. Uh, going on. I've seen a lot more supports rotating and covering early water runes uh, when a matchup is is already being won. Um, get his water runes. Don't let him come back into the game. Um, so maybe it's a, a adjustment of both patch with the easy camp going away and player and team adjustment and how they play and, and how they're covering these water runes. That was what I actually originally thought was that like it was going to be a lot more roam heavy um covering these water runes because it's your like the more you play to be like oh like bad matchup doesn't matter i've got this bottle and free regen the more you play to cover that and punish him for for that idea of dota um so that that's definitely seen um some some bits um a little bit more dependent on harder carries rather than three scaling cores but the three mm-hmm. you definitely still want your your all three of your cores scaling I mean i'm still seeing some mars and 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 people are still uh going Aghanim scepter not the way that amar goes uh nobody's really committed for that build the way amar does but uh definitely people going okay i'm gonna get a blank i'm gonna get bkb and i'm gonna get an Aghanim scepter um, is there a reason want, for think,
0: og to be scared of ti if it feels like it's made a mar weaker potentially
1: uh yeah i mean for sure Um, question, it'll be really interesting to, to see OG play again when they do, um, because what adjustments do they make for a Mars hero pool, um, and what offlaners can still function as a carry from the offlane, uh, situation. I think there's definitely heroes out there. It just may not be the same heroes, uh, that were played before, but I've still seen successful razors. Um, not necessarily offlane though, but I've still seen successful Mars, um those heroes are still there. They're just weaker and not not as easily applied in the first uh
0: 1 2. One question I have, how is uh, I've seen people pick and I've seen a good bit of banning of Primal Beast. How is how is that hero being used and do you think it's being used effectively or is it just like something that people are still trying out?
1: yeah it's a little hard to say right anytime you introduce a a new hero uh, i think marcy is like the more extreme example (laughs) of that but no no no. it's like anytime you introduce a new hero um you're playing it you always are going to have a better feel of what to do it's it's always harder to know what to uh how to counter something than to know what to do correctly if that makes sense, right? It's easier to be the Primal Beast or play with the Primal Beast and know, here's what I want to do with Primal Beast. It's much harder to be on the other side of things and know, here's what I want to do against Primal Beast.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you just don't get as much exposure and experience against that. And uh, I think it does have a certain new player, uh, new hero advantage to it. Um, but it does seem pretty strong.
0: How's it being the played? The biggest...
1: Uh, it's usually being played as uh, three or four. Uh, I feel like the position for it is is four position. Um, it also helps that this hero is actually similar to Marcy and then it's a hero that can rush BKB because it has his its own initiating tool uh, in its toolkit. Uh, he has Onslaught where he charges forward. Marcy has her her rebound. So they also they both can rush BKB. Which I think naturally means you scale better because mm-hmm. uh, you're dying less, right, in fights and you're able to, to do more and you're able to just do more damage and, and uh, cast more spells and be more impactful as a support. Uh, I haven't seen it mid. I have seen it off lane. I do think I prefer the four position because uh, as I said, I think scaling on your cores is still a thing. Even if we are going for harder carries, I still think scal- you want scaling on your cores. You want like heroes like this, uh, this Lena mid. Still feel pretty nice because it scales up. SF mid uh, these offlaners, like the even the Mars that still can go Aghanim Scepter or um, uh, damn what's another oh Enigma is is probably one of the bigger examples right that's an I've off-laner seen a lot of just Enigma just like scrolling
0: through um, yeah. Dota buff match reports
1: yeah exactly um, and I think that is Primal Beast's biggest problem is that he does have a scaling issue um, because. Uh, And and you kind of do this if you were playing Primal Beast before. Uh, And I always said that that the Aghanim Scepter is going to be make or break for the hero in that regard. And I don't think the Aghanim Scepter is particularly good for scaling. Um, There is something dysfunctional about his kit that is not very synergistic. Um, And that actually makes it so he doesn't scale well. Uh, It's basically two things, right? When he onslaughts. He charges forward, you want to pop trample, right? Because you're moving long distances and you're probably going to get it on top of an enemy and you're, you're going to like maybe even go through them. You want to get that trample damage in, right? Mm-hmm. It makes sense. But at the same time, uh, you also want to be able to grab the hero and use your ultimate because otherwise they're, otherwise they're going to pop EKB and, you know, not really care about you anymore. So you've activated trample. But now you're standing still and channeling this ultimate where you're slamming him into the ground. Uh and then when he comes out of that he's probably going to pop his BKB, your trample is going to run out of cooldown. Like what do you do then? Like what do you just right click them? Well, it's not really good to do that much. Um so I feel like there there is this weird kind of lack of synergy um in that regard. And then on top of that, uh your passive thing can't remember what it's called, but when it's when he roars and he gets armor and, and damage, it's uh, um, uproar. Uproar. Thank you. That that increases uh, your trample damage, which is obviously a really big part of your kit. But you can't really get charges beforehand, right? Because you're you're this is an initiator for the most part. You're you're not gonna like go in, take some hits, and then charge somebody and pop trample with your uproar. Right? That's usually not how it goes. Usually you're smoking up, you go, you surprise somebody by onslaughting on top of them, grab them with your ultimate. And that same problem of like not being able to increase your trample damage because you need to be hit first and you're an initiator who wants to throw out all your damage early on uh, all at once mm-hmm. also applies to the, the Aghanim Scepter. What the Aghanim Scepter does is when you pop up Roar, it creates the shockwaves uh, from the Aghanim's Labyrinth. Um, And those do damage and break. Uh, And again, the problem being is that you get more shockwaves the more charges you have, just like you would do more damage with Uproar. Um, And it has this weird thing where it's like, you're an initiator, you wanna just be able to jump in, grab somebody, dump all your damage out. Um, And the Aghanim Scepter, like you can't get charges beforehand if you're smoking, running around, jumping on somebody, it just doesn't work, so. Um, that is probably the biggest problem is that part it's weird to synergy uh, makes it so this hero doesn't scale very well um, and you do want course that scale it so feels, I personally think it's more of a four
0: it feels weird to me that you have to be level 25 to get pulverized to pierce smell immunity uh, mm. because <laughs> channeling it and then just having someone pop a BKB it's like oh guess my ultimate's done
1: yeah yeah, it would definitely fit a lot better where if you were able to onslaught onto somebody and trample them, and then they start, then they pop their BKB and start trying to run away, then you could grab them through that, that BK. So then you're using your ultimate as like, uh, I'm going to waste some of your BKB
0: time. Yeah, that's, that's that like would a definitely feel a lot better. That, that, that's, like, yeah. that's like, that's like, a, that's a kissing fiend script, like a fiend where you're hugging someone, right? yeah yeah yes.
1: so it would be kind of op in that regard and i understand why it's a 25 talent but again i, I do think um i almost feel like the hero needs a a, a little bit of a, a redesign in, in some regard but the hero is strong um but i do wonder if some of that is just new hero symptoms um if we are going to see a lot of it at ti well there's probably going to be a patch but uh if we do see a lot of it at ti i think it's going to be four position
0: I'm just interested if Boxy's gonna play it. I guess we'll find out in uh, an hour and a half.
1: Yeah, I guess we will. Marcy's still broke, by the way. Ah, oh, God, fuck that
0: hero. Do you think so? Fuck There's been hero. so many. I mean, I know, I know it is because I'm watching it get played and banned. But like, having that much movement ability just feels like so much value. Um.
1: Yeah, it's like it's like okay, maybe being able to have repositioning tools are are crazy good, right? So maybe Dispo's... Both being able to reposition you and stun you feels maybe kind of broken. But then, then you just gave her like high mobility, uh, 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 spell, her initiating tool now also stuns. So that also feels broken, just in a different way, you know. Uh, and and weirdly enough, I'm not sure if I said this last podcast. I've been talking about this, but I I feel like it's actually weirdly better for marcy this way even though blink dispose was like kind of broken uh and and that was kind of insane on the hero but now people no longer have to go blink dagger because their initiating uh tool is also their stun right yeah yeah so so now if you don't have to go blink dagger you just rush bkb in which case, that means you're going to scale better. Like, you, like the, the abilities are slightly worse, but I feel like the item builds that people are going are, are now better as a result because they don't go blank. They rush BKB, and they just jump in and fucking land on people and start beating the shit out of them with BKB and maybe a basher. Uh, and that is hugely impactful as a four position because uh, Unleash also has its own like
0: crazy tools to it as well. So, Well... It's making me want to start to play more Dota. I've been fighting more urges, watching the TI qualifiers to play Dota, mm. and the battle. Well, that's pass. what I'm going to be
1: doing now that I'm done covering the NA qualifiers. I've got no more casting uh, for for quite some time, so I'm going to be grinding some dotes. See if I can get back to 8K.
0: It's grinding dotes. I mean, I'm playing other. I, w- I was uh, I was watching Dota while playing uh, Ocarina of Time on the 3DS. I was having a pretty good time mm. with that. Being, being honest with how How many
1: times have you played Ocarina of Time?
0: I have never completed it. This will be my first time finishing it. Wow! Mm-hmm.
1: Never completed it. That's mm-hmm. crazy to me.
0: I stopped the first time when I was a child at the Forest Temple, and the second time as a teenager at the Water Temple.
1: I uh, I'll, I'll I'll admit something here. I did not complete. Um, what's the What's the Ridge really Wars good Zelda Mask? game that came out uh, Breath of the Wild? recently? Breath of the Wild, I have not completed Breath of the Wild
0: That's, that's fine, it's the best Zelda game
1: uh, Yeah, I, 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 I already know It's the best Zelda game because I got through Like three of the dungeons Uh, like But I just, I didn't complete it And now I have a different switch And I don't have my old save file And, <laughs> and I've got a Steam deck So it's like now I'm playing the Steam deck instead so i just haven't completed breath of the wild and i feel a little ashamed for that because i know it's a great game
0: i think more people would be upset at me for never playing ocarina of time than you for not finishing breath of the wild i i i would be willing to bet if we pulled the chat right now which doesn't exist that i would be getting more flack than you
1: all right well you guys can uh shame us sufficiently on the discord uh and or in the your patreon comments that's right we can talk about some questions i've got so many questions because uh, if you do subscribe to one. us
0: over on patreon.com slash site but one we'll be very grateful two we'll say thank you three you'll be able to ask questions on the show like like these right here we can probably we can probably go for two
1: all right, uh, seep says, I think this is one I, that <laughs> that I started last last podcast and then I was like, no, we don't want to talk about that one this time. Uh, seep said, Cap, how do you feel about players taking over the panel? I think from a fan perspective, it's uh, pretty great. Assuming it doesn't affect pay or anything, is it considered more of a break? Um, so I think uh, pro player perspectives are very valuable um, and I think it is It is the peak in many way of paneling. I think paneling um, as a general concept. As somebody who who does panel and does host um, in esports in particular, panel is a way to keep butts in seats to keep people from wandering uh, to their uh, other streams. Or I mean, nowadays, like entertainment is just one big fucking giant competition, right? Uh, right now while you're listening to this podcast you could be watching a show on Netflix you could be watching a Twitch stream you could be watching a -hmm. a fucking Call of Duty tournament or a World of Warcraft stream like there's a shit ton of options for you at all times Um, so panel uh, for 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 lack of of of, of, uh, better uh, better description here is just a a way to keep people from walking away um, because there is something going on Um, but the peak of a great panelist, I think, does involve being a former pro player and bringing insight that fans want to be able to listen to. And it's something that I've always cautioned, like any talent that is coming in, it's like I want to be an analyst like, okay, but like also understand that your job, you are warming a seat effectively for some pro player down the line who's going to retire and replace you. Like you, you need to be able to have a plan B, whether that's being a caster or whether that's being turning into a host or going into other games. Like I do feel strongly about that. And well, to be honest, not as many pro players have retired as I expected. So, but it's coming (laughs) like that doomsday is coming. There's going to be some fucking, you know, there's going to be some pro players that have great natural personalities on camera personalities that are going to retire. Um, and they are going to be mega valuable. Um, And that it's going to be very hard to compete with Um, because they do bring I I agree. I think it's great for the viewer. I think the personal stories that they tell, I think the insights that they give um, while they are recently retired, the analysis that they give is very good. Um, That is always a test, I would say, for any pro player when they retire two years down the line. Are you really still? relevant are you still keeping up to date as well as you should um that i think is is always kind of interesting i've seen plenty of pro players that um even from maybe a public perspective uh people are like yeah this guy's great like he knows what he's talking about like i don't think he knows what he's talking about he Mm. hasn't kept up with the game as much as he should um and then some of them are are like fantastic right because they're just fucking they love the game and they fucking grind that shit i think uh shout out to, to to fear for example who's like grinding uh analysis uh, uh, of game city watches and stuff like that those are the guys uh Avery's another good example like they retire but they love the game and they're just gonna uh, keep fucking learning and 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 staying in touch so um that's always the test but as far as pro players actually replacing uh the talent like temporarily when they come on yeah it's a break uh I know like so Avery I, I know actually feels like it's kind of bad in a way like he feels like you hired the talent to do a job uh, and like for them just to be replaced on a grand finals or something like that he thinks is uh, maybe it's good that. for the product but it's not necessarily the, gra- the greatest
0: I, I agree with that perspective I think I'm the odd person out to where I I don't universally like it. I think a lot of people mm. are happy with it because they're like, oh man, it's a pro player. Look all that inside. Yeah, they're like cool, cool. This is a different person. It's new. It's fresh. They got all this more info than other people. They're playing the game. Um, I think that a lot of the people who work on the panels like really craft themselves and their narratives and have studied and have like worked to be there and most of the time are better than pros who walk onto set.
1: There's mm. exceptions yeah. to that.
0: I think yes. like anytime Seb comes onto a broadcast, he's like so naturally like great and well spoken and deep that like it, it always levels a broadcast. I think Insani is the same. I think probably yeah. people say no Tell's the same. I think that that there there's like, you know five to ten people who are like undisputably great to walk onto a panel.
1: Yeah. I Everybody I do think who's not um, that
0: I kind of struggle with a little bit.
1: I, I will agree that I think the biggest problem with it has always been quality control. <laughs> maybe maybe that's a little a little mean, but I don't think there's great quality control of like what pros we put on the the panel. And to be honest, like so sometimes you just don't know. Like maybe maybe somebody it's one of those like sink or swim sort of situations. But I have seen situations where we put somebody on to sink or swim, and then they show up on the next panel after that because like. I don't know why exactly like it like I feel like some of it is just lack of confrontation not from a talent side from whoever like project side Mm -hmm. is making the decisions whoever is on production side like that person sucks don't 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 just agree when they're like yeah I could stay on for the next game too. be like no
0: I don't know. You weren't good. Yeah, like Get the I don't, fuck out. Like, you don't have
1: to say that, but like you know, <laughs> be like, no, we've got this spot for for the actual town. We would we would want to be able to put them on. I, I think there are way too many times where we put somebody on. They they suck. Uh, to to be brutally honest, and uh, yeah. I don't
0: think you should keep them on.
1: <laughs> Jesus Christ! Hey, Naming names now, huh?
0: Well, i I'm, I'm okay, well, like there's the, i I didn't know how to say that without like you know, being inflammatory, but like I think that that's a very real example of something that I think didn't mm. work very well.
1: I cannot say because I didn't see those panels, so I have no opinion. Uh, I cannot back you up on that, uh but I doesn't he doesn't strike me as somebody who would be uh great on the panel uh but Tyga, from the same team, I think uh, would probably be very good. I'm not sure how much I've seen him do talent stuff, but I've seen him in enough interviews that I feel like he is uh, at least like somewhat uh, good on camera and would only get better uh, the more he's exposed to it.
0: Tommy's but. good on camera. I think that sometimes he speaks in a way that it's hard for people to understand, which I think mm. is important for broadcasting. Um, and if I was True. producing, I would probably put that in the negative column.
1: Yeah. But... At the end of the day, uh, I think it's good. I think uh, we already talked about how it would probably be the biggest loss for uh, TI, remote broadcast, if that does happen. Um, mm-hmm. That That is a, a serious loss. And I, and I think TI, <laughs> barring TI7, uh, I think TI has usually done a pretty good job of quality control of what pro players go on panel. Uh, I don't know I exactly what that process is. Um, If I had to guess, probably Bruno, who's former talent and also working for Valve, uh, probably makes a a good amount of uh, decisions on like what pros end up on there. But I feel like most of the pros that show up on TI panels as guests are good. Uh, I do think sometimes a little weird because these are situations where they are guests and it does mean that they're doing work and they're not getting paid Um, and I don't know how to feel about that as a whole, uh, I do sometimes feel like that's weird. Uh, you're still paying somebody. It's not that person who's on the panel. It's it's the talent who is basically what they are is they're on standby. Uh, they're kind of in the green room. And if that player just doesn't want to do the next game or uh, or, you know, like production wants to switch it up and we're going, OK, we're now going to have these two people like you have four people on panel, the host and three panelists. And you have like two players and a pro player, and then you like swap between the two t- uh, uh, panelists and like, uh, like you know who's working game one, game two, and game three or something like that. But they're pretty much on standby. That's what they're being paid for. Is like, okay, if you need to go on, you go on. Um, but I'm, if if it's good for the show, like if you've got a great uh, pro player, then I have I have zero problems with it from a replacing talent perspective. I'm I'm always about like whatever is best for the show.
0: They it's like
1: to get like it, it,
0: they should ask to what? Get they should ask to get paid
1: they should ask to, get paid, uh, ask to get paid the, the guest yeah. talent yeah, they yeah. I, I sometimes do feel that way um but I I also understand like how easy it is they've been knocked out like they just kind of like are there anyway why not? And it's good for them too it's like good for their branding and stuff like I, I can understand all the reasons why don't uh, they don't exposure. ask to get paid that's bad. don't pay
0: people people. that's bad you should, don't. They, should, they should get paid for work yeah, yeah. I
1: don't
0: know why I'm whispering
1: <laughs> yeah. I think um, from from a talent perspective uh, obviously there's, there is there is ego that goes into being talent right we're all fucking trying to be in, in the spotlight and on screen and stuff like that but mm-hmm. I do think you have to recognize uh, when to be able to put your your ego aside and when to recognize what is what is best for the show. I, I will say that like, there are often times where I'm at uh, a tournament and like the tournament organizer asks me like, hey, uh, what do you think about like, who's doing grand finals and stuff? And I'll give a very honest opinion uh, of whether or not I should do it or not. And a lot of times I, I say that I don't think I should do it. Um, <laughs> Probably because Owen's there is
0: Owen at the event. Yeah, if <laughs> He's yes,
1: Owen at the event he should do the grand. Yeah, finals. he should do the grand file. If not,
0: <laughs> eh, you know, maybe I can do it.
1: Uh, and yeah, and I, and I always try and look at it as like what whatever is best for the show. Um, and and I have like my, my own judgments and my own abilities, and I think I'm pretty realistic about where I stand. Um, so yeah, I always I always try and and do that. I honestly, honestly, like I feel like I would be a pretty good. Uh, production side like talent manager i feel like that is one of my strengths of being able to like read people and like who's good and who's not good and who's good together and that sort of thing that that uh is a second life sort of like that i think i would be i would excel at
0: mm-hmm. i bet you can do that all, all, all that arkash work really just you know adding adding resume points to you Yeah. You know? <laughs> Like like we're laughing, but like, yeah, that you know.
1: dysfunctional squad. <laughs> yeah, that 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 is I. Uh, that is a great example of that, me knowing who works together. Wow. Well.
0: If, if if I was interviewing you for like a, a talent management style role for like uh-huh. a broadcast, and like your resume has that stuff on, you can speak to those experiences. At least for me, no no smoke. Like that. I think that that may like stuff like that makes it, you know, more realistic. Mm. So,
1: well, you know. we'll see. I, I was I was trying to to get more business development side of uh, of Arkash, and uh, well, I I honestly did make a couple steps, but you know, then then shit went real wrong this year. So,
0: just um, uh, maybe make a second Google Calendar. Maybe text everybody and their moms like before the games. I don't know. Yeah, I, I will just
1: say uh, I will fully admit uh, I actually haven't had this conversation with the team. I like I me and Slacks both kind of split duties as a manager. I don't think either one of us was particularly good at the manager role. Uh, and to be perfectly honest, I don't mind that because I feel like I just expected like a modicum of personal responsibility, oh, you know, dude, buddy, you know buddy, like a nope. schedule,
0: you work a regular
1: <laughs> job, a, a fucking <laughs> schedule goes up on a board as an employee, you check the schedule and you make sure you're there because that's your fucking personal responsibility. I'm not there as a manager to fucking micromanage and make sure you're up in time to, to be there, you know? like uh, i expect you to read the board and show the fuck up
0: (laughs) dude i (laughs) i don't know how managers fucking do it man like i can't even begin to tell you how wrong that is (laughs) i I know like it was just like
1: uh, the thing is like maybe if if i was an actual manager for an actual team like i would definitely take much further steps but you know
0: it's also because i know they're pro
1: players mm -hmm, you know like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i'm not sure if i can classify anybody on akash as a pro player (laughs) <laughs> they're much closer to normal functioning adults or at least I thought
0: at least you thought dude managing <laughs> yeah. talent managing talent is hard it's very difficult there's a lot of good yeah. jobs there that you have to be very patient to do um, I shouldn't speak more or my employer might be upset anywho uh <laughs> you, you, want, you want more questions so we can get out of this and then and then go home
1: oh yeah one more question uh little little... Which one am I choosing? Kaido Riemann said, what game would you like to either uh, be remastered, updated, or fixed from your childhood? Oh, boy. Do you have one for this, Joey? I have to think.
0: Uh, so there's one that's already happened, and I have some recency bias here because I was playing it this weekend with my friends. The uh-huh. most recent Mario Party remake is actually really good. If you're like a fan of old Mario Party and like want to play that as an adult with your friends, uh, I think it's the most
1: th- recent Mario Party it's like
0: Mario Party Superstars.
1: Oh, and it's where they took they, they, uh, the best so mini I got, games think-
0: and maps from all from like all previous iterations. It's done really well for a series that has not had a good game in probably like eight years. Um, so, like, yeah, that, I think
1: I got the one before that. Not I remember good. Me and Blitz were playing it together. And yeah, it wasn't great. But the The boards were terrible compared to what I remember.
0: You, you, what you want to do is you want to play Mario Party Superstars. If we can get four people together, which means I need to come over with one more person, we could have a fun mm-hmm. night playing Mario Party. We should do that.
1: Mm, um, okay. Okay. Sounds good.
0: There's two games so there's a lot of games that I think like will get remasters like you know we're just talking about Ocarina of Time like that will get another remaster there's like things that exist or will exist right there's two things that I don't think are ever gonna exist again um guns guns the duel the third person parkour samurai third person competitive shooter that was made by like Nexon and and the Koreans there was two of them there was guns and guns two. guns two. um that occupied such a fun part of like my adolescence. I can't even find it with
1: Google. I just put in guns game. <laughs> like, G-U-N-Z.
0: G-U-N-Z. Game.
1: G-U-N-Z. Okay. Guns the Duel. Yep.
0: That's it. Um, initial release 2003. I had such a good time playing guns. It, it, it's like such early internet and that feeling that nostalgia the way that the game played uh learning case style being competitive playing with friends uh there was like early gotcha mechanics so good um i would love to have a gun serve with people
1: uh so i've been thinking about like formative uh games that stick out that are not like as popular uh, I'm not sure if I would want them remade or uh okay, so there was this game called the Bouncer uh that was on the playstation two in fact that the the opening when you fucking started the game it, they they would actually audibly say that the the title of the name it would just be this announcer comes on the bouncer <laughs> and uh it was this fighting game um that was. Um, I, I would say it, it's kind of, it was kind of like a mix between, um, what I would say like is a traditional fighting game and like almost like super smash brothers, not from a platforming perspective, but in, in that it's like a twist on the traditional fighting game, um, where you are, um, I don't even know. It's, it, I guess it's like a beat em up That's actually what it is. It's a beat-em-up that has fight the like traditional fighting game elements where you actually have like moves and stuff like that. Um, this was so, a
0: Squaresoft game.
1: Yes. This was a Squaresoft game. Um, so that is probably one that people may not recognize. It got a five point nine rating out of ten. <laughs> I remember it more fondly than that. Um, but uh I, I feel like that that was I just remember was an interesting game to me that like stood out i played it with my cousins i played through the campaign and i played uh multiplayer and it was a fun experience um kind of similar to how smash brothers was when uh i i first started uh, another game that i had um did you ever play Baldur's gate not the pc game uh, but the one that was on the playstation
0: no no i did not
1: um, so that was so while traditional Baldur's Gate, uh, the game that most people know was on the PC and that was like uh, a top down um, traditional like fantasy game, the Baldur's Gate on the PlayStation um, was a hack and slash, I guess, would be that what you would you would call it. I'm trying to find a um, genre hack and slash. I was right. Uh, it was like a hack and slash, uh, adventure type game. Um, there were different classes and Baldur's Gate Dark, Dark Alliance was the, was the name. And that game was, uh, I love that fucking game as a kid. And they came out with Baldur's Gate 2 and that was all right. And then they've come out with a couple more Baldur's Gate. I think they may even come out with one somewhat recently. Uh, and I haven't tried the recent one, but all I know is that nothing quite captured the uh, the magic of the the first one uh, for me. I don't know if that was purely like, that was like one of my first, uh, that was like actually my first introduction to the fantasy uh, realm of, of Wild. both like Dungeons and Dragons, but also just... It was probably one of my first experiences with uh, medieval fantasy type stuff anyway.
0: Did you go on to play other Bioware games like Knights of the Old Republic or Mass Effect?
1: Uh, I played Mass Effect, yeah. Did um, I know that but, original
0: Baldur's Gate was like one of the first things that Bioware did for consoles.
1: Yeah, I think, um, so I watched Knights of the, the Old Republic. I actually never played it myself, but I watched my cousins play through it. Um, so I'm, a, I'm always that kind of person. That's like, <laughs> is that IRL Twitch? Like, games. what is
0: that? Like, uh, shit? yeah,
1: that is actually the first, <laughs> the first example of, 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 like of Twitch was just watching your brothers and, and cousins, uh, play the game instead of uh, you getting to play it. Uh, yeah, I, but by the time, like, so Baldur's Gate kind of opened that up for me. So maybe it was just the genre, but I, I just have very fond memories of that game and all of the. And the, so the fixed part would be, like, all the follow-ups to the game did not feel the same. I don't know why.
0: I'm going to make this one an all-play as we round out the show, um, because I'm curious. I'm always curious what what games were formative to other people. I think that it, like, shows a little bit of, like, your age, but it also shows, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like... If, uh, I'd be interested to see what other things people would want to get remastered, because the big mm. ones... There's money in it, and it happens. These are your yes. These are your Nintendo games. These are your Mass Effects. This is your Halo Remastered, right? Like, they happen for business reasons. Resident Evil. Mm-hmm. But what we just named are probably never going to happen and is a pipe dream. And if you got one of those, toss in the YouTube comments, toss in Discord. And until then, we'll see you next week.